On the show, it's only good vibes. Talking about music from Beyonce to Tribe. In the world, words always politicking. Run, why your boy Kanye be tripping? I don't know, so we put it on the shelf. Listen to Conrad when he brings up mental health. Is Michael Jackson really the king of pop? There's no debate if you ask, be shocked. Conversation so tight, it be gripping ya. We love getting suggestions from our listeners. Do something foolish, try and run if you can. All you gonna do is end up a victim of Who's Man's. Welcome to another week of Who's Man's podcast. We hope you enjoy it. What up, though, everyone? Welcome to the Who's Man's podcast. I'm your host, Ron Adon, aka Mr. Taylor May. In the building with me, I got my man's Conrad. What's up, beautiful people? back we're finally back corona can't hold us back but we gotta find out who else is here corona can definitely hold us back and they hold us back (laughs) 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 that bitch corona came through and and said oh i can't watch (laughs) ain't no essence fest ain't no school ain't no tv about to turn off in a minute because ain't no shows coming back out Oh. Yeah, you're right. You a bad one. You a bad one. Yeah. All right. right. Positivity coming up, though. Positivity with Conrad. Right. So, also, uh, we have a returning guest, basically a, a host, uh, honorary host of the podcast, the lovely Victoria. Hello. You're basically. Uh, excuse me. You're to I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for joining. Of course. All right, y'all. Well, we can go ahead and you know, get down into it because I feel like we all need just a moment to just take some time and laugh and get our head out of things. So what we got going on in the world right now? Well, <laughs> we got an embarrassment in our own in our home state. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't even claim Michigan. I just claim Detroit. So oh if it doesn't happen in Detroit, it not have nothing to do with me personally. Then you hey, good? Yeah, I'm all good. <laughs> we we not the only ones. It was in Wisconsin today and Illinois. So, you know, just the dumbass Midwest, if you will. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure they were over in Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess if it's all over, then people were were mad at their governors basically for keeping <laughs> keeping them safe. Say it one more time, Conrad. <laughs> huh? Say it one more time for the people. <laughs> <laughs> like the governor literally is trying to help y'all out and keep y'all safe, and people were upset because it seems like it's impeding on their rights as Americans to work and to make money and to do what they want. So they feel like she should be fired or she should step down. And on top of that, uh, there are all these other stuff that she's, since she's on TV a lot lately, she's trying to get a bid for VP and all this stuff. And I'm like, yo, she has to get on TV to tell y'all what's happening. I mean, how else is she going to tell you guys? So, it's just stupid to me. Um, rights or no rights, I think people need to understand that you won't have a job if you're not living. I mean, 
you will have a job if you're sick and gathering and protesting. I get you have those rights to protest. I guess you you have those rights to speak out and do what you want, but at, to be honest, file for unemployment like everyone else. You be you do a lot better than the actual people who are working right now with what they just pulled, which is they released for the unemployment. So like you you have ways, like this is not doing anything. But putting you in danger, putting our officers who could be doing other stuff yes. in danger, putting our first responders in danger. There are ambulances stuck in traffic yes. because of this. Wow. And this was you know, so I'm like, it's crazy. And this was all triggered by her extension of the original stay at home order. I think it's through May one. And really it wasn't anything <laughs> For, the, for this, for this, Man, we're, I, we're, we're stuck in. It was large. We're stores, stuck till June tenth. Large yeah. stores must also close areas of the store that are dedicated to carpeting, flooring, furniture, garden centers, plant nurseries, or paint. And this is on Michigan.gov. So this is literally from the office of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. So Come people are mad about about plants. Hey. <laughs> Taking their rights away. It just hurts me and this is why I've had to like literally limit my time on Twitter and on news stations because all of this anger is being you know what is the word peaked I think that's the cute word for it uh, by <laughs> that man in the oh, in the White House who some people call president Who's getting on the news, stating that he's gonna um, it uh, uh, use the power that he does not have to open a country that he never closed, despite all of the 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 scientists and doctors who were trying to advise him on what he should do, uh, telling them that he's gonna reopen it by a certain date, which was Easter that came and went. Now he has another date in mind, and he's saying all this stuff. And getting people riled up, giving them this idea that this is all a hoax, giving them the idea that this is not a real thing, that this is just something that the the leftists are making up. That's what I keep seeing on Twitter. And it's just so frustrating because you, especially when you know people who've died, you know people who are sick, and you know people who are struggling, and you just see people turning this into something that it should not be. Like, this is something that is very, very serious, where people are dying, left and right. And to make this into, uh, you know, he said, she said, a power struggle, like, it's just so, so frustrating. And it really, really just pisses me off. Because, uh, like, all those people who are out there today, not social distancing, by the way, uh may take this back to their family members who may take it back to people that they work with, who may take it back to people who I'm related to. And that pisses me off because you now are putting my people in danger Mm -hmm. and my people, which is a whole nother thing are being disproportionate, disproportionately. I almost said that right. uh, Affected by this disease (laughs) more than any other. So that frustrates me because that's a whole nother conversation we need to have. Where people are literally on the news talking about, well, why is it affecting black communities more than others? Why the fuck do you think so? Like, really, why? 
Preach. But that's not a conversation we want to have now. Honestly, it's not a conversation we kind of have the time to have now. But it is something we need to talk about because anytime something like this happens, we're going to be the ones who hurt the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian, just to like piggyback off what you just said, like I saw an article today that the Federal Reserve just like extended uh, cities or areas that need to extend their loans so like they can provide for the city. And 35 cities are not eligible. And with those 35 cities, guess the majority of those are all black cities. Mm. Of course. Majority black cities. Of course. <clears throat> and because the because the um the criteria was like you either have to have a, a million residents in your city or two mil two million people or two million residents in your county. So like cities like Detroit, Atlanta, Baltimore, um, there are some other cities on there that obviously their residents, there's not a lot of people living within that city, mm-hmm. so they don't make the cut. Mm. So when you have stuff like that, but then like airline companies can get 25 million, which I get are help, they requested to pay their workers, but it's just the money is like floating out of nowhere and going areas where I just don't get that. Why do they deserve it more compared to these people or shouldn't they be going to the people first and the big companies, <laughs> you know, it's like, this money's just coming out of thin air all of a sudden. All of a sudden, now we can pay for stuff. Spend $1.5 trillion because our stocks are going down in 15 minutes. But we, you know, it's just things think like that. I just don't know what the world is coming to, or I should say the U.S. is coming to because we just care too much about money instead of people. And it's sickening. Figuratively and literally. And the money is flowing, and the people who need that money, to your point, the people, some are going to have to wait because the idiot in the White House is saying he wants to put his name on the funding uh, or on the checks before they're mailed out to those people who I saw the news today. There's a lady who, you know, says she has three days left with the insulin medicine that she has and doesn't know if she's going to be able to refill to people who don't know if they're going to be able to get additional groceries, to people who, you know, they're landlords or the light electric people or whoever are not willing to compromise with them and they don't think they'll be able to pay those bills. And it's still cold in many places. Some places don't have heat because they can't afford it. And this type of stuff is happening. And at the same time, this stuff is happening and getting way more attention than it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> just to like, it's just one of those things. We, this is, in, in times like this, really, people need to come together a lot. And there has been a lot of positivity and all the good people doing good things. But we need more of that because the people who are protesting, trust me, you're, like, you're not the only one. Like, there's so many other people who are in different states who have even orders that are much longer than what you guys are having that are stuck at home. They can't work. They can't do anything. But they're thinking about the the greater good of what this would happen. Like if mm-hmm. the point of this is trying to like slow this down so people can get back to lives, can get back to working, the more we disobey, the more we don't listen, the more we extend those things. Mm-hmm. 
it's just simple. Like, <laughs> sit your ass in the house, mm-hmm. quarantine yourself. All oh, the virus is starting to level out. The moment you feel like you can go somewhere and do all this stuff, as I heard, then all of a sudden the numbers peak up. So then the governor has to think about, well, people need, we need to extend this longer. So it's just like, <laughs> if you do what you're, and it's just so annoying. It's because I feel like this freaking like toddler syndrome people have. Once you're told you can't do something, all of a sudden now you want to do mm-hmm. it. I know damn well before you had no reason to go to shopping for freaking plants and gardens and stuff. Now all of a sudden you want to do that when you're supposed to be in the house. <laughs> you know? And that's the reason they're closing these things down because they don't want people to browse. Because that's what people like who have been in the house are, oh, I need to go outside, so let me go to the store and just walk around. No. That's not what it's made for. So I get it. That shit can wait. You can build a garden any other time when you can actually breathe outside. Right. So just just be mindful of other people. This is like it's the same thing, very similar to vaccines and shit. It's not just about you. It's about everyone. And right now the virus doesn't give a damn whether you're left or right, whether Trump is in there as your president, whether you have a million dollars. If he wants to take your life, you're going. Well, so just think about that. Unfortunately, Americans are very selfish. So, yeah. <clears throat> I think we're going to be yeah. stuck at home for a very long time this year. Mm-hmm. I think it'll go through June for sure, but I hope not. Honestly, we're not going to be able to do shit till 20, 2022, honestly. Yeah. At this rate of stupidity, and then after they say we're cleared, everything's going to be jam-packed again because people are still ready to go back out. So then they say that there's an algorithm that shows that if we, if this like drops and we contain it, and for some reason we decide to be all lackadaisical and forget what we just learned and go back to the old ways, it shows it spiking right back up mm-hmm. in, in like a week. <laughs> <clears throat> so like it's gonna be a while I, as much as we want to do shit like I don't think I want to jump on like doing stuff for a while until I feel like I know <laughs> it's somewhat safe or someone legitimate because people are gonna be out and about in crowds but what I will say <clears throat> once we're once we're released what I will say though what has been nice is just like just seeking refuge and like little things that just keep your mind at ease like TV or movie, <clears throat> and like insecure. I had a watch party with two of my best friends who are who live in Detroit, and we decided to do a watch party every single Sunday, and it was just so nice. It was it was almost like a reunion. Oh, that's cool. Did you guys watch Insecure? We I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched it by myself. That's a good trans. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you before. I just want you to know I won't be watching Insecure with you this season. <laughs> Damn. That's all I am not going to be insecure. Ooh, wordplay. Oh, Ooh. my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'm not mad. Well, yeah, this is a good transition. It is. Well, I think I'm going to do it. Uh, I thought the premiere episode was cool. Um, I thought like 
I don't know. I always think back to that finale two seasons ago where they left, like, I forget how they did it, but they went into the future and they had, like, a lot of unanswered questions and you just were kind of left wondering. And now it's, like, a season and an episode later and I'm still wondering if we're ever going to go back to that or if we're ever going to figure out... So, like, we remember we were... I remember we did a podcast about it because we were talking about, like, oh, do you think that... Oh! uh, uh, What's the girl's name? Amanda Seals' character. Do you think she cheated on her husband? Or... And it was... Yeah, they're dragging that one out. And it's like, well, are we ever going to go back there? Because that stuff feels so far away now. Whereas, like, I wouldn't even really... I remember it, but most people wouldn't even remember, oh, that was... Was this what you were building up to? Or what's going to happen? Uh, I love seeing black people on TV, so that was refreshing. Um, I did want more Kelly, which I think is always going to be a thing um, until she probably gets her own show. Then it'd probably be too much Kelly. But I do love Kelly. (laughs) Uh, And Molly is... I had a lot of issues with her character in that episode, but we could talk about that. What did you guys think? I thought it was a pretty strong start. Like I was laughing almost immediately when the episode came on. Yep. I agree. I, I love everything about it. Like the makeup, the styling, the, the music, the TSA Bay, everything. It was so good. <laughs> everything was TSA Bay was for the win, that's for sure. Definitely. I loved him especially because my, I told... Um, I mentioned this earlier to some people that, like, I just like that he, like, really accommodated Issa's needs sexually. When Thank you. Like, when she said she wasn't feeling like he said, okay, well, let's try this. Still wasn't feeling it. And he True. was going to try it. Like, he was just, he was there to not only, of course, please himself, but please her too. And that's so important when it comes to sex between two people. You have oh to be on God. the same page. Tori. I thought about that. I'm like, this is one of the first times on that I I think I've ever seen in entertainment where you saw a bad sexual experience turn into a good, or I assume it turned into good. We didn't see the rest of the scene play out, but a good (laughs) sexual experience. Like, that was so much more realistic than any other set scene that you see out there which is mostly either oh it's the best sets I ever had let's smoke your cigarette or that shit was whack Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna talk to him again Mm -hmm. and it's like thank you like for showing like a this is real real close to reality I would say as um, opposed to some of those other scenes that are out there and didn't he get her like her favorite snacks, or he got her something? He got her some Hennessy. That's, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. He got some Hennessy and this and something else from the confiscation airport. Like they're actual like friends. And I also wonder. That's love. Like, I always wonder, like, can we can that could be a different conversation for a different podcast? Y'all could go over, but like, can fuck buddies are they realistic? Can they ever? Are they inevitable in turning into a relationship, or can they just stay as separate? sexual interests of each other. But that's, a, that's something for another day. So do we think that he's a fuck buddy or her actual... Definitely a fuck buddy. She was wondering why she, he was, she was crossing boundaries with him. 
Volleyball. Do we think that this is going to turn into a relationship, though? Nah. I could see him falling for her. Yeah, I see. Yeah, because how supportive he was of her. I mean, I feel like the only negative that is well that could possibly be had with him was the fact that he doesn't have a real career with being a TSA agent. But we don't know what he's doing outside of that. We don't know enough about him yet. So right now, I still see a lot of potential. Right. I like that he was a real-looking person, too. He wasn't, like, a superhero. I know. Talking about he was a big dude? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. That's a big nigga? To him. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he said, and then, well, I guess you did. I, I, trust me. I, look, I was thrown off a little bit, because I don't remember, unless I missed the episode where it took up someone outside of, like, the categorical, like, hot black man on the show. Did she have a hookup? The past season, who who lived um, downstairs from her in her old apartment. I, I have forget to get... who his name. Oh, mm. yeah, he wasn't. He was on like two episodes. I have to give um, TSA Bay credit though, like as an actor. I need to find out what his name is, but as an actor, I give him so much credit for making himself so vulnerable in that scene. Cause he like, yeah, he was vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. And I like to that point. Uh, it's refreshing to like. Issa Rae was nude, as far as you know, but we didn't see anything, right? Mm-hmm. There was no, you couldn't no. see no nipple, no, couldn't see her butt or vagina, which is usually always the go-to for a woman is always naked, and the man is somehow covered like yeah show these dudes and like put them on blast <laughs> you know a struggle area like that's refreshing yeah, show these dudes and, and to be fair insecure is insecure has done that from the very start they've always if i'm gonna be if the woman's gonna be naked then you gotta be naked if she gonna show her butt you're gonna show her your butt you gonna show that you show that that's like, true that i think that's cool that's true. Yeah. Now, I, I do want it before we get into Molly. I did want to give a shout out to Paula J. Par- Parker. I thought it was oh, cool yeah. having Legend. her in there. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and then just the rollout of Insecure. Like, you could tell they did a hard pivot for um, promotion. Uh, if you are have been on Instagram, like I've been... I'm following people I ain't never heard of in my life. <laughs> but Insecure had a whole weekend where they just really took over all of the big influencers right now on social media. I mean, Issa was doing, uh, what do you call it? A, not a happy hour, but like a, a block party, she called it, with D-Nice. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I saw so that. That was cool. Yeah. And then they did like a Q&A with the whole cast. They did a watch party. They did. That's dope. They had uh, Zaytoven, who's a big Atlanta producer, do a DJ set. Uh, it, and it was cool because it was like, okay, I'm going to follow this whole thing throughout the weekend leading up to this one episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that was cool. And I think more people can use that to their advantage. I mean, look, yeah, it's one thing to say, okay, everybody at home, just give us everything. 
But no, because a lot of people are starting to turn off the TV, starting to get away from trying to get away from social media. But if you can like pull me in and pull me in in ways that are going to like stimulate me and connect me and make me feel like I'm part of your product, mm-hmm. to me that's that's great marketing. I'm really mad I missed that. I I saw her on Be Nice's live, but that was it. But I didn't go back to uh, Instagram. I, I must not have gone back mm-hmm. that weekend. Dang, I missed out. And I'm sure that's going to be something they incorporate, you know, probably every weekend now. Um, because I know they pro- published or publicized what was going on last weekend, like later in the week. So I, that's how I could tell it was like a hard pivot on what they were doing. Um, I'm looking forward to see like how they promote the rest of the season. They already have been really hyping up this episode that Kerry Washington directs later in the season what? which i think is yeah which i think is closer to the end of the season but they're building up a lot of interest i mean carrie washington huh. been tweeting and instagramming about her experience like yeah. weekly <laughs> so i thought that that's that's really interesting where have i been i have not heard any like <laughs> 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 the I sad know. part is where have i been all okay. i knew was when it was airing and that was it <laughs> I've been too close to it. Can we talk about? Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff to talk about too, because obviously Lawrence and that whole situation, which I think, okay. Uh, but Molly, what did you guys think about Molly in this premiere? Molly got Molly. But Molly gets my nerves. Yep. Molly needs to change. <clears throat> she really needs to kind of. She seems just like that one. It just seems like that one friend that wants to be a one step ahead yep. of you. So if you're if you're actually getting your shit together and she's struggling, she'll find a way to like make it look like you're doing something wrong yep. still. Yeah. And that's what I get out of Molly right now. Like she can't Issa is like getting her shit together. She had a great event, even if it was about it was starting off awful. And in my head it was like Molly kinda wanted it to be bad in a way. So it works out like she's not mad about the Lawrence situation. And then instead of Molly like focusing on the block party and her success, she finds a way to make her feel like shit. And I was just like, okay. Can we we rewind to that car scene though? Where Molly obviously had her 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 ego hurt that the um Andrew. I hope I'm not being rude. They call him Asian Bay. Hey, Andrew. Show, right? Andrew, and, okay. yeah. Andrew was dating other people. Like, obviously, she was hurt. Obviously, she has some type of feelings for him. Why, after all these seasons, is Molly not able to communicate that? Well, she was at the end. To him, though. Yeah, remember at the end she texted him. Oh, that's true. So we don't know what happened after that. Yeah. It went... Okay. Yeah, that's true. But to me, that's still a problem. Like, why is that not something that you can approach in the moment? I, at first, I initially agree with you completely. But after hearing close friends and others randomly um, say that they also feel like they would have reacted very similarly, just maybe trying to process that emotion, I kind of just understand that some people are just built a little differently and then they would have reacted a little bit differently in that situation. Huh. She just needed time to process and, and get it together. That's fair. And by the end of the night, she had it together. And then it took her a week to get her phone to check. To me, that is fair. Mm. I know if I were dating her, 
I would not be able to sit through that because to me that shows like immaturity. Because you should be don't first of all you now are making me feel uncomfortable. You invited me to this event. Yeah. I'm a guest of yours. Yeah. And you are ignoring me all through the night, and not only ignoring me but blatantly throwing me the cold shoulder. Yeah. And I gotta take a a Lyft or Uber home. Yep. I mean, now that yep. that's exactly that's exactly how I feel about it. that's how I feel about it, Brian. Exactly Wait, Brian right. kind of like... I, I think he broke it off with her. I think that's why we didn't see the response. I think we're gonna find out that he was like, "Yeah, this, I'm sick of it. This is too much. It's always something with you." Oh dang! Mm. Oh, damn, Ron. Dang! Damn, Ron. That damn, is Ron. true. But didn't she? Didn't she mess up with him last season? Yep. We didn't get a chance. To yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. All that chase stuff stops being cute after a while. And I think this, if if he does break it off, I think it'll hit her really hard. It's so weird though that she um, has done this with literally every relationship that she's been in, except the one that was married, the Droz. What you think? <laughs> Wait, what did you ask? <laughs> no, I don't have anything at all. <laughs> okay. You're the one who <laughs> your phone's been messing up all day, and now you got a chance to blame someone. Okay. Well, I do find it interesting. I really, really wonder, like, in the writers' room, like, why. Why and it's a realistic character. I think we all know people like that. Um, but why every single relationship is it kind of following the same path? Where except Dro is probably the only one that you know she kind of let it go. But like, why? Why does she build like they're able to build this relationship up as a thing she should do, and then she just makes all the bad decisions from there. I think one thing to consider is that it hasn't been as much time as we kind of feel like it has been, just because it's been years for us. Like we've changed so much as people while the show's been on, but in actual show time, it's been like what a year ish. Yeah, true. So we're trying to ask, we're asking her uh, to change her complete personality pretty quickly. True. That's true. Well, you are so reasonable. <laughs> I I did think though that there was going to be like a major character advancement with Molly after she was in therapy. Yeah. I thought that that was going to be like a big change moment, but it don't seem like it. Well, I think I think that that goes back to what Ron was saying. She, with if the timeline has only been like one, maybe two years, she hasn't been in therapy that long, so maybe she didn't give it a chance. But at yeah. least she is making. There's slow steps, but she's making steps. Yeah, there is definitely progress. But I do so, think she was, I do think she is a hater with Issa. Because I don't know if y'all caught it, but after I rewatched it, I realized she, when when she drove with Andrew to the mixer, she immediately put into Andrew's mind that it was going to be like, yeah. it was going to be like a barbecue or something. Like she said, don't, you know, Ooh, don't have yeah, any expectations. It's going to be homegirlish. Now, Definitely. I saw a lot of people criticizing Molly for that, but wasn't she just being real? Like, Andrew works in a yeah. nation. He's used for all these big top-notch events. And she's like, look, this is just something that me, my homegirl's doing, so don't come in here expecting like what you're used to from work. My only uh, 
it's because I totally agree with you, Ron. Oh, but, like, but, but okay. she volunteered that information though. Like she wanted it to yeah. be known that it was going to be that way. I thought that was smart. Like, I and, but, but Issa came to her and told her like all the big wigs that would be yep. there, mm-hmm. and she made her believe like you got a big wig coming too, and Andrew, and then I don't know. I as a friend, it's like okay, and I she knew how much her. this meant to Issa as well. Like she, so she knew that Issa Damn. wasn't gonna fuck this up because it wasn't important to her. I mean, but she was kind of fucking it up. I mean, there were a lot of she home, was. home. There was a lot of like ghetto things happening there, and I feel like she would have been disrespectful to Andrew having him think that he was showing up to like a live nation caliber event, and then you end up going to someone's community center at their apartment complex. <laughs> and then, and then that's experience. But was she expecting Andrew to donate money? I don't know for sure about that part. That's my point. Like, he's there. Yeah, he's I don't there think she was. So why should he care? Yeah, yeah but it's just like. Just know what you're getting into, type of thing. And then, low key, um, I'm on team upstairs neighbor because how you gonna tell me I can't have a party and you have yeah. a party? Like, well, right? You have a whole, literally, a whole party. <laughs> I can't do this. Not. So, what do we? What do you guys think? Um, episode one. We saw how it's going to progress in the first, what, two minutes. What do you guys think is going to lead to Issa not messing with Molly that way no more? It has to be something bigger than what we saw. I hope so. Please be. I, I think, I think Molly's going to say something else that's hurtful. That, that, makes, that hurts Issa's feelings. It makes Issa just snap. It has to be. Because it sounds like they're playing up, as well in the next episode at least, playing up this friendship between Issa and the Condola. Condola. Um, is that like is that a common name? The only Condola, it is not. The only Condola I know is um, Felicia Rashad's daughter, Condola Rashad. That's the only one. Hmm. You're so Okay, you're right. But. Um, I- and I would I'm, be surprised I'm hoping if that's her not the and Condola end up as like close friends, but I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. I really do think that she's over Lawrence. Man. I do too. I do. And it's like I don't see why it's. I think she's still like she can't be mad at her. Like she could not be mad at Condola. Like it's just like it's a, it's a small world. Like it's not like she knew you before. I get it's tough, but like. It's like you don't really have a right to get mad at that person. I want to believe she's over Lawrence, but I don't feel like she's over Lawrence to the point where she can be friends with him yet. Like, maybe she can be friends with this girl because they don't have to talk about Lawrence. And I th- I'm assuming that's going to be the agreement. But I don't see her and Lawrence just, like, now hanging out and stuff. Yeah. I, don't I don't see it. Especially how she reacted when she found the news and she had like that little moment where she saw him yeah, screwing all around the baby shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she started hallucinating. Yeah. I know that was my comedic effect, but you know, there was some truth in that. But I also like, still think that she has feelings for Nathan. I think we're going to see Nathan again. Yeah. I think we're, I want to know more. I, I'm not, I don't think that, and I'm going to ask you that's this question. So my question is, do you think that Issa should give Nathan a second chance? 
the only reason why I would be, I would, I'm not going to say she should, but I would not be mad if she gave him a second chance because I think there's a lot going on with him, with his mental health, and he had a really hard yes. time articulating it. And to me, someone who doesn't really, well, I probably am like going through some things. I just don't know what it is yet. But someone who had never dealt with something like that to that level before, I didn't get it until I started like seeing more things like, oh, okay, this makes sense. So now I'm a lot more empathetic to what he was going through. He just didn't know how to, how to articulate it. But I don't, she's not expect. she shouldn't mm. be expected to him back though. But I think she should at least hear him out. I I don't know if they I don't I don't see them getting back together. Like my prediction is this relationship with TSA Bay might actually become a thing. You think so? Um surprisingly. Like Mm -hmm. I just think it might. It'll be one of those things where it's like why not? Like try something different from Issa. Um I feel like that might happen. I feel like Nathan may pop up for closure. Um, I think Molly's gonna end up back with uh Dro for some reason. What? Uh, and I honestly really? see Lisa kind of venturing away from that core group of friends. You got some maybe, here. Yeah. Yeah. The, I feel really confident about the last one though, because I feel like what. Amanda Seals' character did by not sharing with her that this girl even went on one date with Lawrence. I feel like that wasn't a... Huh? You think she ordered that? As a, as a best friend? As a so-called friend, yeah. I don't you think that tell me. If, she going on, if she truly did think that they only went on one date and that was grand opening, grand closing, I don't think she should have told Issa that. Like, why, why bother you were there for Issa when she was going through all that stuff, getting over Lawrence, and now you're not going to tell her that the girl she working with, that you know but, she working well, with? No, she, but she literally just learned how close they were in that moment. Yeah, she didn't know. She thought it was just like a one-and-done thing. And even seeing how close Issa and Canola were, she didn't know how close they were until that moment. I don't know. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Right, right is on the wall. She's going to feel a way about that. I think Kelly is... Just too much of a wild card. I feel like Issa about to take like a a, a bossy grown woman span of some sort, <laughs> and just kind of. I feel like we gonna meet some new people in Issa's life, and maybe they'll come back together in the end in some way. But I don't. I don't think they'll be as close as what we've seen. And in a way, I've never felt like they were that close. I don't think. I don't. I feel like Issa and Molly are best friends, but I also think it's one of those things where it's like we just known each other for a long time, and I feel really comfortable around you. Well, I wish we could know more about uh, Tiffany and Kelly's friendship because remember at that ba- at Tiffany's baby shower, mm-hmm. Kelly yep. was really hurt that she wasn't involved in any planning. I was like, wait a minute, they were friends before anybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't make that connection until like late, but I want to know more about them, especially. Right. You think they'll go into the whole affair thing? At this point, it seems like it's she's been pregnant forever, it seems like. Yeah. At this point. But again, like you said, it's like a yeah. year long. It's, it's a very short timeline, so it makes sense. 
she's been pregnant since season two. Yeah. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, were we reading too much into it? Like, did she cheat? Is it, maybe it is this baby. I know she cheated. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The clues the clues still make sense to me. <laughs> I know she cheated. <laughs> the only, so I, I do think that, well, like in the beginning, um, I think it was the opening scene, we saw like a flash forward of Issa saying that she wasn't cool with Molly anymore. The only reason why I think she'll still be cool with Tiffany and Kelly was because there was a huge contrast in how Kelly and uh, Tiffany congratulated Issa after the mixture was over mm-hmm. versus um, Molly bringing up her own shit with Andrew. I feel like that could have been stayed until like the next day. I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed like that wasn't the, the time to bring up something about you when Issa was wanting some like re- reassurance from her that it was a good event. Mm-hmm. Well, and Tori, I thought about that first scene a lot. And that kind of led me to this whole, they may not be the friends they were. Mm-hmm. Who was she talking to? Like, who was she talking to that knows that they were best friends, but don't know that they're not as close anymore? Oh, yeah. Like, I, couldn't, I couldn't make that out. Like, is that Kelly? Is that Amanda? Who's Amanda Seals' character name? I hate saying Tiffany. her. Tiffany? Tiffany. Is that Tiffany she's talking to, who maybe hasn't been in touch with Issa as much and, you know... Is just checking in on her and thinking maybe her and uh, Molly been hanging out and I don't she don't mess with her no more. Mm-hmm. We reading a lot in the insecure, but it's it's, it's fun that we. Were <laughs> I know it has only been like one episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what did y'all think of the fake show so far? The uh, whole fake documentary they were showing. Reagan was funny. I hate this. I hate him as a person, but he was funny. No. He was. I can't even be mad. Has I, I was trying to figure out while I was watching, has Insecure always done that? Or is that just yep. like yeah. they through, have, right? There was a scandal one. Um the, yeah, that was their white life. people, yep. I thought. And then twelve years of slave. Yep. Yep. Was that I thought that was dear white people. Was it? Oh shit. Because dear white people does it every oh, season. You might be and right. they definitely did scandal and Ayanla and Tyler Perry. Uh, shit. I'm pretty sure. But I couldn't remember <laughs> if, oh, dang. if oh, wow. no, they, they did something on Insecure. Yeah, they definitely have. Okay. I know they do. You're right. You're right. Because right. the first season we meet Lawrence watching some fake show. Oh, you have a great memory. Okay, I remember that now. Okay. But shout out to Insecure. Like, I mean, the way black people are like go up for that show, like it's just a beautiful thing to be on Twitter or be with your friends, and everybody is just in on it because it's it really feels like it's just something for us Mm -hmm. that we probably only get. And you gotta keep up the group chat if you ain't watching Insecure. That's so true. (laughs) True. Nah, I'm looking forward to like some some of the other stuff Issa has coming up, the movies and the TV shows, um, and that really, if you look at that whole cast, I mean, they all working, especially all the four main or four women mm-hmm. are all working. Mm-hmm. I kind I do 
wish I don't know. I I really enjoy backstory on characters. I wish we knew. I don't know. I I want to know more about Issa and her brothers' dynamic because they they never have a very um pleasant moment with each other. I want to know more about her and her mom. And I heard I know I've heard that's her real her real mom. Um, that plays her mom on the show. Um, really pretty woman. But I just want to know more about like that family dynamic, like who her dad was too. That's a good point. Because we did see like kind of some of the background between Molly and her character and her family. I wonder if we're going to like go back to that. Right. Like her dad cheating on her mom. Yes. Oh, that's right. Oh, she was so mad. We They got to do something with like daddy, da- uh, father, daughter, mother, son relationship. There has to be like it's a black show. You can't do it without Ooh, yeah. Something about family dynamics. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's more we can say, but I can't wait for it to come back. Same. I feel like Tori set up another good transition. I be trying, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> You're a natural. You mean, you mean you with you the, uh, no. <laughs> Um, with the mother, well, in this case, it would be uh, mother-son relationships compared to that of a mother-daughter relationship. Right? Is that what we, we had decided? Yep. Um, I, had, I had a couple questions myself. Ooh, legal. Um, so yeah, maybe Tori should take over this one because she kind of brought the question up. So, and, and I feel like I can't remember what we were talking about that even sparked this. Um, it had to be something that we were all watching. But either way, I've always noticed, and I'm, I'm an, my parents' only child, so I don't have a lot to compare to except for, like, my experience as an only child. But I have always noticed, um, and this really isn't just only in the Black community, but a lot of there's a, there's a different kind of bond that mothers and sons have and mothers from what I've, a lot of mothers, I don't want to say all, but a lot of mothers I've noticed tend to um, rear or raise their sons differently than their daughters in the way that they coddle them or they are more sensitive or empathetic or sympathetic to their needs. And with the daughter, it's always like, especially in the black community, I will say, or any other minority family with a mother and daughter dynamic, mothers seem to think, Oh, I don't have to worry about my daughter. My son is who I have to worry about and baby and blah, blah, blah. But I expect more from my daughter to know how to operate in real life. And this is going to be kind of, this might sound silly, but so I watch uh, Raven's home on Disney channel. Mm. It's such a good show, y'all. Raven still has it. Do they have the same theme song or no? It's a different theme song, but when I say I Uh, belly, like Ron can attest to this, I belly laugh in every single episode. A lot. Raven is hilarious. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) 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 They still got it. But anyways, so this is like 14 years after she has two, she has uh, twins. A son and a daughter. They're like 13 years old. And their daughter 
for her daughter, she's just very, um, she has a lot of common sense, street smarts, book smarts. So she knows how to operate in life, even only at 13 years old. So she told her daughter, Nia, she was like, Nia, I never have to worry about you. But Booker, and Booker does a lot of dumb shit on the show. Like, he's just dumb. He doesn't, he, <laughs> like, you worry about him. And she, but she babies him a lot and coddles him through certain things. So um, just want to know more about, like, each of you has sisters. Ron's the only one that has mm-hmm. the older sister. But I'd like to know from each of you what differences you saw between how your mother raised you, spoke to you, this was how she was with you versus how she raised or spoke to your sister. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <Go first>. Um <laughs> my so I I do I have an older sister, a younger sister and a younger brother. So I kind of saw it twice in a way. So I saw the way my mom, I saw, when I was a baby, right, how my mom raised or or I would say better put responsibility on my older sister. And then the way when I was older, how my mom raised my baby sister versus my baby brother. And I wish I remembered all the... <laughs> the the schooling or the lessons that I learned in, in college around the different um what do you call it? The different uh, I don't know the term, but there's like a certain theory or theory I think it is where um how women treat other women versus how they treat men. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely feel like my mom and my sisters compete with each other in a way. Whereas for the boys, they kind of nurture more. And I don't know why that is. Like, I didn't require any, I mean, I don't have any experiences where like my mom made sure, oh, did you do your homework versus your sister or anything like that. But I see it more in like, okay, duties around the house right Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna get yelled at as much as my sisters may get yelled at likewise my older sister when you know she's 10 years older than me so when my younger siblings were coming along she treated my younger sister different than she treated my younger brother right Mm -hmm. as kind of like some of those traditional roles and i'm sure that plays a lot into it um, the other thing, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Like, I feel like there is a level of, like, understanding that I feel like my mom feels like she has with the boys versus what she has with her daughters. What do you mean by that? Like, what I'm, I, and I want to, the easiest way to explain it is like a double standard. Like, she understands that we are going to do things or want to do things that may not be, you know, considered safe or, or quote-unquote, normal, whereas the girls would never have that opportunity. And, for example, like, my mom, when I was younger, I could have co-ed sleepovers. I could – I didn't have no curfew. I could do whatever. 
Um, it was shocked. just like an understanding, like, hey, you don't respect. I got you. Got this right. You're not gonna do nothing crazy, okay? I can't Whereas, like, that. her raising my younger sister, my younger sister was like, "Well, you got you. If you're not home at this time, then that's so disrespectful. And how dare you do this?" And I'm like, "Well, you, I can stay." And I was look, I was a good kid, so I didn't give too many problems. But at the same time, it's like. <laughs> I didn't have to be home at a certain time. I could well, stay out. I literally could just go somewhere and not come home. As long as I gave you a text message on where I was, we good. Did you that and happens your, with my sister. It's not the same. Did you and your brother call your mom out when she would do that as you got older? No. Because you didn't recognize it. At the time, it was just like... And, and again, we are, we're all spaced apart. So by the time I was 18, you know, my little brother was just going into high school. So we all kind of missed those shared schooling and shared moments together. I was in college when they were, you know, just finishing high school. So it was a little different. She didn't have that type of, um, I guess, talks with me and uh, care for me at that time. Um, And I know my brother probably didn't call her out either. It's just something we kind of talk about now which can lead to some tense conversations. And I think the relationship my mom has with adult, all of us, is both negative and positive in different ways. I know that doesn't so, make sense, but I can explain it later. I'll let somebody else talk. Oh, wait, I want to I wanna pause here real quick. Y'all know I'm, I'm big on the follow-up questions. So... Um, <laughs> So did your mom, so it, so you mentioned, so you mentioned that was she, obviously there was a difference in how she raised you and your brother versus your sisters, but was there a difference in how she, on what she expected or how she raised your older sister versus the youngest was the youngest, was there more expected from either one or was it an even playing field? And I, I, I don't, I, I'm, afraid to say there was a difference in how she raised us. I don't I don't feel like there's much of a difference there. I just think some of the some of the attention that she gave to the boys was not the same amount of attention she gave to the girls. Got it. Got it, got it. Okay. Conrad? Um so mine is a bit di- a little different. Um so my sister and I, 11 years apart. Um, so my mom raised a boy for that long. And so when she had my sister, it was already a whole new experience for her. Like from like the basic things of shopping for a girl to taking care of a girl, like which is like completely ironic because obviously she's a woman but she was like it's complete she used to tell me it was completely different transitioning from you to her so when it comes to that stuff I didn't see um, we didn't get that same like double standard you'd get if you had a sibling that was closer in age where you can experience like oh you know like how Brian was saying like oh my sister was when it comes to chores or they expect her to do this, cook this, or you should be doing this. 
mm-hmm. there's similarities to that culture wise because in our culture is heavily like the woman does everything she cleans she cooks she serves the husband and you know that's just a culture that's been passed down and i think our generation is trying to change that aspect of life but so one thing for me that i noticed there's a difference in how my parents treated me as an eldest boy and my sister is i guess for me, she's in high school, mm-hmm. finishing up high school. I was basically the test dummy mm-hmm. in the ways of assimilating to the culture. So for me, mm-hmm. and like my sister and I are similar, but we're different in a lot of ways. So for her, I would say she's more of like a, a bit of a rebel. She's like, you, she's one of those kids where you just can't threaten. Like, oh, I'm going to take this away from you. You need explanations. Like, you can't do this because So you basically walked so she be- could run. In other words, yeah. And for me, I was more of the timid, like, I was like, my parents were more authority. So I was scared to disappoint them. I was scared to mess up. So I, like, kind of just caved in and listened to them primarily until, like, junior, senior year. I started to, like, more, mm-hmm. even, like, I think also helped my friends knew who my parents were. So they didn't make it hard for me. So they'll figure out ways to like make sure I was able to be involved, or they'll be jo- crack jokes. We're like, yeah, we gotta get Conrad back for parents' trip, all that stuff. So it worked out in ways, but it was a lot different for me. So with my sister, where I noticed is like stuff like senior of high school. You know, this is the year where you usually get to get finish with a bang, and you're having a lot of time, like a lot of fun. Your summer in coming to your senior year, you're hanging out with all your friends. Culture wise, in America, things happen at night. You know, kids go out later in the evening, six o'clock or seven o'clock, eight o'clock. People are starting to get ready to go out or have fun or do all these things in high school, at least now in this era, in this generation. So my mom doesn't doesn't understand that because in our culture, a girl should be at home before her dad is, before the man of the house comes home. Oh, okay. So my mom grew up that way. Like she grew up that she had to be home before her dad got home. Because that's what she's supposed to be. She should be home. You know, everything should be cooked, prepared, and sit down, have dinner as a family, X, Y, and Z. Now, for them, it's hard for my sister because she's in this culture. She was born here. So this is the culture she knows. Mm -hmm. It's not that she doesn't understand our culture, but all her friends, everyone around her stays at home. And then at like 8 o'clock, they're like, all right, let's hang out. Let's go do stuff. That's just how it is. They have curfews. Like, you got to be home at... 1130, midnight, blah, blah, blah. So what I noticed the most was that things I used to be able to do in high school as a senior or as a junior, they wouldn't question me about it. They would just be like, Texas, when you get back, when you get there, blah, blah, blah. But my sister, on the other hand, she can't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, but girls aren't supposed to be leaving the house that late at 8 o'clock. That's disrespectful. You should be home before your dad is. When your dad is home, you shouldn't be leaving. And it always goes back to your girl. You can't do that. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be out at night by yourself, or you shouldn't be out at night this late in the night. Things. This is when bad things happen to girls, and so that double standard, sexist standard, is what I saw between my parents. <clears throat> and the irony of all that, my parents would think that my sister is rebellious because she doesn't want to stay. She doesn't want to, she wants to go out and have fun and she's not listening and all this stuff. And that's when I was like, 
told him, like, but do you understand all this stuff my sister is asking to do is the same stuff you guys allowed me to do in high school mm-hmm. at this time specifically? How did they react? She's, <clears throat> it's, it's more of like my mom was like, no, really? You know, like, did we really let you do that? I was like, yeah. You used to. So, yeah. like, this whole stand, like, you're, like you, ha- you can't expect us as kids to assimilate to the culture in America and also c- keep our um, culture of Uganda and Rwanda, like our, and then accept you guys not expect you guys not to do the same thing. Like if you're expecting us to do both, you should be able to do both as well. Understand that this is a different culture for your for your kids. Like yes, you grew up this way, but it might not be the same. It's definitely not the same way here. So like your daughter has friends who are going to want to go out and have fun. You have to find a way to adjust it so like. She's still respecting your household, but also she's also getting the same social, you know, benefits that I did at that age. So those are the things I see. Of course, there's all these like, you know, she should be cleaning the house at this amount of time. Like I, I used to yell at my mom about cleaning dishes and all that stuff, but it wasn't like. So does your sister, you know, does your sister try to push the line at times? Yes, my sister pushes the line because of who she is, so she will ask for a reason. You know, and it sucks being the second born, like the last born, because everything she does is now, they always have to go back to me. Well, Connor never did such a thing. Well, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I used to tell her, like, I used to tell my parents, like, you need to stop. So that's what I wanted to yeah. get at. How, like, what was, like, how did, did they ever compare the both of you? Did they, like, do you notice that your parents, the way your parents just speak to you now, even, is different than how they speak to your sister? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess for now, it's definitely different because of the maturity level. Like, I'm at that level where they can have conversations about life, about marriage and advice. So it's like the conversation has changed a bit more. But now it's more of, like, later, like, maybe a couple years back, it was more about like as Abby was transitioning to a woman and becoming a teenager and experiencing all these things. My and this is I think where it comes into like the difference of who we are. For me, my when I was younger, my parents told me something, I wouldn't talk back, I wouldn't say anything, I would just say okay, I walk away and that's it. I wouldn't ask for a reason what I know it was stupid because I don't ask my parents such things, right? But here in again, I just uh, the culture wise kids are most kids in american families have can talk to their parents like authority figures and like friends like okay you're telling me this but why so a lot of abby's friends i'm sure she sees that and for her she's like quick to like say that's not right mm-hmm. telling me it's not right not fair and my i'm looking at this like what the hell are you saying right now shut up and just take it and go to your room <laughs> and move on like you know so like for then they'll like call me and be like, you never used to talk back to us. You never used to ask for reasons why we're doing stuff. You just listen to it. And I'm just like, yo, we're, you cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot tell you, you cannot tell your daughter. I'm glad you said that. that. You cannot use me as her. Cause she's not me. That's a completely different person. This is, you can't. And it's like, you see that across all like family and friends. Like if you ask any, any like family friend who's like Rondi's or Ugandan, it's the same thing, like, 
girls are held responsible for a lot of things and they're not supposed to talk back and not supposed to show like not even talk back like but stand up for themselves or something is wrong like so from the beginning it's set like that and i only think it stems from past generations like parents like my mom that's how she was and her her mom was that way and so like that's where i feel like even in american cultures like passed down like not even like it's like so normal like you don't even think about it you know so like it's already passed on from generation to generation unknowingly like i was treated like this my when i was a, a girl so i have a daughter i expect her to be doing the same thing i was doing when i was her age mm-hmm. so i feel like that's where the divide comes especially in the mother mother son bond and the rearing and all that stuff it's just it's i guess it's different Yep. Man, these are good guys. Ramban? I mean, uh, so I feel like my situation is a little bit too distinct to categorize into the framework of this conversation because my parents had me and my siblings so far apart. So if you can imagine having a child at 19, 26, and 33, like you're instinctually going to raise those kids differently because you were a different person at those times. Mm. So, yes, me and my sister got raised very differently, but also me and my brother got raised very differently from me and my sister. So, it's tough to compare and say that the reason why our differential treatments were because of her being a girl and me being a boy. When I, we, we both feel like our brother also got the easiest treatment amongst our parents. And it's kind of like after you raise a kid for 14, 20 years and another one comes along, like they barely. I think, understandably, I feel like you only had energy to rear a third child after 14, 20 years. Like, I think if I was in that same position, I don't see myself being as hard on a third child as I was on the second one or on the first one. Because as a human, you get worn down. You should be disciplined something for that long. You may start to understand that things aren't as serious as you thought they were the first time around. Like, mm. when you raise that first toddler, you were real strict about certain things, and then you see that it didn't impact it that long in the future. So when you have a kid 10, a decade later and you see like, oh, I might have been a little bit tougher on her and him, but I see it turned out fine. So I'm going to be a little bit more lax on you and you should be fine too. But mm. so during the, the years that it was just you, and you and your sister though, like, did you notice that she was, when it was, it was time for both of you to start pitching in on responsibilities around the house or just doing things for your parents? Did you notice that your sister got more of it, less of it, or you guys kind of equal them out? Like, did you notice that she was taking on more emotionally or physically from anything going on in the family? Um, well, I would say in that regard, similar to Brian, I just didn't have the lens to even consider paying attention to that type of things. Because by the time I was, she moved out of the house when I was 11, so I hadn't even reached puberty by the time oh, damn. <laughs> she was gone. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to compare those, form, those formative years when we were in such different environments. Like even our family's lifestyle was in such different environments when we were, when we were all going through the same things in terms of uh, being the same age. So mm-hmm. it just feels like it's almost unfair to compare how we were treated when it's not the same at all. They weren't the same people, they weren't living the same lives, they weren't going through the same struggles. Do you guys notice it with your mothers who are daughters of obviously their fathers, like their dynamics at all, like anything different? Yes. No. Wait, say that Definitely. again. Like your mother and 
Yeah, excuse me. I don't, I don't know if your grand if your grandfather is still alive, your mom's dad. But um, did you notice like a dynamic where maybe the maybe your maybe your mom's father treated them differently than his sons? Uh, I wasn't able to really see that. I just being too young when he passed, I wasn't able to see their interaction. I have seen their interact. Like we have very, very strong women in our family, and like the women dominate in our family. Uh, where like all the men take a back seat. <laughs> um, of that generation, that that's just the consistent thing. But one thing I thought about as both Conrad and Ron were talking was a movie that I actually was able to watch today that came out over the weekend. If you haven't seen it, I 100% recommend it. The Clark Sisters, um, the Queens of Gospel, I think is the name of it, uh, which are Detroit legends. So, hey, Mm -hmm. Detroit, one day we need to just Detroit is something, okay? (laughs) All the talent that we've created. But there's a scene in the movie at the very at near the end between um, the mother, Dr. Maddie Clark, or Maddie Clark, yeah, um, and her third uh, oldest daughter, Twinkie Clark, mm-hmm. and Twinkie has been a student of her mother's for years. Her mother has literally dragged her around the country because of her skills with the piano or with the organ and her songwriting skills and to her mom she thinks that she is helping her daughter but to her daughter she feels like she is she doesn't have an identity of her own she's only Maddie's daughter right Mm. and there's this scene at the end where Twinkie is literally asking, like, you let all my sisters go and get married, right? Mm-hmm. It's all girls. Mm-hmm. You let all them go get married. Ooh. You didn't let, like, why is it a problem with me? Mm-hmm. And the mom looks at her and says, because you need me. What? And Twinkie looks at her and said, no, you need me. That's what it is. Like, you're doing this for me. Right. And what, what I got from that scene was, I, and I'm, slap me in the face, face if I'm wrong, Tori. And maybe I am. And maybe I'm just speaking for my family. But I see this a lot where I feel like the women in our family really feel like they are so tough on their daughters because they feel like that is what their daughters need from them. And that their daughters would not be successful or would not be anything in a way if they weren't that towards them. And in return, the daughters in my family... I feel, and, and and if any of my cousins or aunts are out there listening, like, you know, we can talk about it. But <laughs> I feel like they, they also feel like, no, you're doing this because you need me. I make you feel this way. I make you feel important. I make you feel valued. I make you feel worthy because you are able to have that ownership over me where you probably have not been able to have that ownership over yourself. And that really, really stuck with me when I watched that movie earlier today because it was like, damn, this is how the women in my family treat each other, Mm -hmm. where they feel like all I'm doing is trying to help you. I'm trying to make you better. I'm trying to 
bring you into the what the woman you should be. And it, in reality, it's like, no, you're stifling me. You're making me, you're trying to make me into something that I don't want to be. You don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. You just know me as what you want me to be. So that's kind of, that's one, I'm giving a lot of information on my family, but that's kind of something I took away from that movie and, and like what I saw happening in my own family. Mm-hmm. You know what, Brian, like, it's interesting you bring that up because I was speaking with my Vietnamese friend and she's getting married um, in the next two years, but she feels like her parents, she's the oldest of two and they're two girls. And she feels that her parents aren't really want, don't really want her to get married. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you know, they should, shouldn't they be excited? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, culturally, like in our, in our culture that uh, the, people want to have sons because sons are the ones who take care of the parents once they get old and, you know, they bring the parents into the household and this, that, and that. So, so since she's the only, there are only two girls and she's the oldest, they think that they're going to like, once she gets married, she's now going to be on the other side of the family taking care of their parents since that's the son's job, you know? And so that's another aspect I just thought of, like in this situation where like, they have two daughters, but they're so worried about her since she's the eldest leaving to take and aren't, I guess I never really asked, but like, I'm assuming they don't really think of the youngest to start taking care of them yet. So that could be an aspect within itself, like how parents look at the eldest or the difference between uh, having a son and a daughter. Mm-hmm. Like in this situation, it's kind of flipped. Like the son is the one who's doing everything and they're expecting them to do stuff. So if you don't have a son, you rely that your daughter is going to help take care of you when they get older. So it was just interesting that you brought that ending of the way the um, Clark sisters, one of the Clark sisters was <clears throat> with her mother. Tori, I'm curious, like you asked the question, like what, and I mean, share what you want to share, but what is the relationship between you and your mom? And like, you're the only child. So like, I know it's hard to compare, but what is that like? So it's definitely, I say this all the time and and people still don't really get it, but it's cool to have all the attention on you until you have all the attention on you. Mm. So it's like, I feel like I always try to watch my every move. (laughs) Even though, like, I'm 29, I still feel like, I don't know. There's, there's a special power of control that, and I don't know if any other only children go through this, but, like, you feel like your parents have over you, over you. And it's only been in, in, it's only been since Ron and I decided to live together where I said, you know what, I make my own decisions. I'm not asking for your permission. I'm telling you what I'm doing. And that took a long time for me to get there. So and they didn't really let me get to a point where I can't, well, now that sounds like I'm, I'm blaming them. I'm not blaming them. It's just parents, especially I feel like in our generation, don't just let you be upset. Oh no. Did we lose Conrad? Conrad couldn't hear. He'll come back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, parents, I I, I definitely think in our generation, 
just didn't allow us to be upset or mad with them. Like they made they they always sent us away, and that was always happening to me, where I was like upset about something. I knew I couldn't argue or challenge it because I would get in even more trouble. So I had to basically like, as as what my parents would say, dry it up. <laughs> I don't care that. Dry it up. And I realized, and again, yeah, my and I want to reiterate, like my I had the best mother, best father ever. Like my right. dad was a daddy. <laughs> like he, I was a daddy's girl, true and true. And then since I graduated college, I've been kind of more of a mommy's girl. But like best parents ever. It's just criticism of mom, just like what they could have done better. And I feel like a lot of only children mm-hmm. go through. Um a lack of communication with their parents because they can't, some of them feel like, some of us feel like we can't always be honest about how we feel. And then once we grow up, our parents expect us to be their best friends and honest. And I'm like, nah, girl, you my mom. <laughs> You're not my best friend. <laughs> I yeah. can't tell you everything that I feel right now. I'm getting to a point where I am being more honest about how I feel about certain things, but I still have to be very careful about what I say because I'm still like triggered by responses and reactions in the past that weren't helpful. That's real. That is real. And and I think you hit a good point, which is and something I've really learned as I've gotten older, it is okay to criticize your parents. Yes without having to also add like oh but i love my parents like oh yeah my mom is the greatest woman i've ever met in my life but yeah there's some things i thought she you know that were not right Mm -hmm. and if if i'm blessed to become a parent then i know it'll be the same way i i hope to be a great parent but i know i'm not gonna be perfect Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm i'm glad you mentioned that and i think parents on generation they really I, I just feel like our parents try to change the cycle of how they were raised. Mm. And that's what we're doing now. Like I noticed things. Okay. These are things I love that my mom and dad did with me. These are things I don't like. And what I would work on changing, which is communication, having open communication with your kid. That's what I, I would love to have with my future children. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I'd say same. And I would say, like, I I want I want to have like an open relationship with my my kids. I want them to feel comfortable to come with me. To me, I think I think I had that with my mom. I really do. Um, but I also realized, like, my mom didn't have the resources that I have now. Like, therapy wasn't like a popular thing then. It wasn't a thing then mm-hmm. when she was growing up, and the experiences that I'm able to live now are not the same ones that she had and my kids going to have even newer experiences. So it's always going to be like that almost feels like a catch up, like that you're always trying to catch up to what's happening so that you can be there for your family. And I, I know my mom, I can see her at times like trying to struggle with that and I see it in small ways. Like, Hey mom, I'm going to travel. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to this country, right? That's a big trip that I have planned. And her first response is, 
<laughs> something that <laughs> it's probably not appropriate, <laughs> but <laughs> something she heard on the news or something she saw and probably got the wrong country, probably got the wrong continent, but <laughs> she <laughs> thinking like, I don't think it's safe for you to do that. I don't know why you're trying to do that. Why don't you stay here? Why don't you yeah. do that? That's it's like, no, nah, we don't. We don't do that. Like that's okay. We don't do that, mom. So yeah, it's just it's different in that way. Mm-hmm. That's I like this conversation. Well, thank you guys for being so honest. Tori, can you come on every week? <laughs> Are we your honorary host? <laughs> just gonna take my spot. Yeah, I'm we lost Conrad. So <laughs> we know we love him. <laughs> I got nothing but love. Right, you want to take us out? Yeah, I guess it's going to be time for us to wrap it up. So, unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties with Conrad, so we won't be able to get that positivity. But I feel like you still have oh. the same song. What you got? together we appreciate you taking the time out to listen to us if you want to tune in and hear some of your topic that you'd like you want to share feel free to hit us up let us know what you want to hear from us we got a lot of different ways you can reach out inbox who's man's podcast at gmail.com we're on instagram and twitter at who's man's podcast facebook as well just search who's man's is this lots of different ways you can connect with us if you got anything funny interesting news stories thought starters anything that's on your mind Send it our way. We'll consider it. Bring it all. If you want to come join us, let us know. We're open. Even though you ain't got nothing going on, ain't nowhere you can go. Come on and join us. All right. We try to get y'all content. Come be a part of it. All right. Uh, like I said, ain't no way y'all can get at me no more. Not on Twitter these days. But... <laughs> Sorry. That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't talk to me. I'm going to try to hit you up. <laughs> Tori, you want to plug in your links? Yes. Um, my You can reach me on um, Instagram, totally Torrified. Um, and Conrad is on Twitter, Dapfellacani. Brian? Uh, you know what? At me up as much as you want to. <laughs> all right? At me up. Um, At me up. Everything right point. now. Look, okay, it's happening. Um, everything that's happening. This thing is... This virus, the 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 everything that happens because of the virus, the mental issues, the physical issues, has impacted my family, impacted my friends, impacted people who I'm just meeting, and it can really wear on you. Um, and I just hope people are out there being safe, finding ways. I heard this on the read. I'll give them a shout out. Everybody knows it's like probably one of my favorite podcasts after this one um but the number one thing to do in this time is to not harm yourself so anything you can do to not harm yourself is is positive so you know tori hooked me up with some adult coloring books and i know when i say adult coloring books everybody's nasty mind goes places get it out the gutter okay (laughs) 
But when I tell you those coloring books have been a blessing and like I can just sit there for hours on hours on hours and just color and just go for it. All right. Um, that's really helped. All the people who are still podcasting, all the 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 movies and the uh, TV shows that we're sharing, the the house parties and the zooms and the video chats with our friends and family, all that is really helpful right now. And nothing is too much. And if you need something, go find it. Right, ask somebody for something, make that phone call, send that text message, do whatever you got to do to make make sure that you are not harming yourself. Um, and I swear, it's somebody out there looking to be there for you. So that was awesome. That's my two cents. Positivity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We're gonna go ahead and get out of here. Darnold, I guess you get off easy. You know, we technically forgot to invite you, so you know. Oh no! Wow, <laughs> he still waited. <laughs> Hopefully we'll try to be back. We promise y'all we'll at least try. Peace.